Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. We're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. Well, HealthLock can help. HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your insurance and flags errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. So start saving with knowing where to look. Visit healthlock.com today before you see another healthcare provider. That's healthlock.com. Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Live from Studio C, dimly lit room, deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications Compound here on Little Friday. And as we kick off another episode of the Armstrong and Getty Show, our general manager is Major League Baseball, the national pastime. That while it's not the national pastime that it once was, and hasn't been for quite some time, the NFL is clearly a bigger sport, and then I think the NBA, and then baseball, but uh, no opening day, I don't think it's quite the uh, celebration, I don't think, as, uh, as baseball. And um, all across America, you got games and people going out and wearing their hat to work and all that sort of stuff, and it's pretty cool. Um, 
Which will do that. How about that? That might be the most lighthearted general manager in six weeks because it was six weeks ago. But big finish here, Michael, on the music, huh? That, da, 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 da. Six weeks and a day ago that Putin decided to start murdering Ukrainians. And uh, since then, I don't think we had this lighthearted a general manager as Major League Baseball. Uh, drives me nuts as I watch some of your cable channels and stuff like that, and they can't talk enough about the freaking Yankees and Red Sox. They never shut up about it. Doesn't matter that every damn publication that I've seen in America says the Dodgers are the odds on favorites to win the best team in Major League Baseball by far, according to everything I've read. Nah, God dang, East Coast Senate media can't shut up about the freaking Yankees and Red Sox. <sighs> So here's something I learned today that I didn't know. Yesterday, the um, foreign minister of Ukraine, I won't try to pronounce his name, echoing what President Zelensky has been saying since the war started, said, my agenda is very simple. I only have three items on it. Weapons, weapons, and weapons, which is pretty good. And uh, so the administration keeps getting pushed on this. Well, the whole world, the whole free world gets pushed on it. Europe and uh, NATO and uh, the United States in particular. We are the arsenal of democracy. I believe a term that Winston Churchill invented back during World War II. We have been the arsenal of democracy for a very long time now because we can just uh, we're the biggest uh, biggest economy and we're uh, we're on the side of the good guys. Um, so they're mostly directing that at us. So the administration is getting pushed on a regular basis to provide more arms. I was happy to see that Secretary of State Blinken said yesterday that uh, as of this week, stuff is going out right now, the Ukrainians will have 10 anti-tank systems for every Russian tank that exists. So 10 different ways to take out that Russian tank, which is absolutely fantastic. But the other day, the administration was asked about it, and they said, look, we uh, gave the Ukrainians $2 billion worth of arms in the lead-up to this, as Russia, as you you remember, uh, spent many, 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 many months getting their troops on the border and getting ready for this, and uh, we saw that coming, and we gave the Ukrainians $2 billion, and since the war started, we've given them over a billion dollars. And I heard that, and uh, you probably react the same way as that. That sounds like a big number. That sounds like a lot. You know, I don't know how, how much are we supposed to give until I heard today. And the media, I wish the media did a better job of giving context to all stories. But that's what I'm doing right now. Uh, testimony that back during the Iraq war, we were sending to Iraq. Now, granted, we had a lot of troops there, so we had way more skin in the game personally and blood and treasure. But, you know, we were we we were helping an insurgency, in theory, the Iraqi army that was going to uh, hold the country together. We were providing $9 billion per month during the height of the Iraq war. So again, we've given a $1 billion to the Ukrainians since this started six weeks ago, a month and a half. We were giving Iraq $9 billion a month. Now, that's some pretty good context of the kind of money that we can bring to bear when we think something is really serious. I would say... That what's going on in Iraq is, or in our Ukraine rather, is certainly as serious, if not a great deal more, to the stability of the world than what was happening in Iraq. 
As you'll remember, we got out of Iraq. It has been a mess ever since, and everything's been pretty much okay for us. Not for them. Sucks for them. Definitely sucks for them. But it hasn't affected the world that much. Ukraine goes down. It really affects the world. Uh, and uh, we got to do more. We just we just have to do more. We have to do a lot more. And read the polls uh, the other day. Something like 60%, including Republicans and Democrats in those numbers, uh, think Biden is not doing enough. So we need to do more. Anyway, we got a lot more on that later. We got a lot of great guests today to talk to about this uh, this topic and others that I look forward to. But I think we should start the show officially because an unofficial start is uh, well, it's crime for one thing. I have already committed a misdemeanor. If I go past the quarter past of the hour, I'm I'm into felony territory. So I have to start the show officially. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty at the Masters in Augusta, Georgia today, uh, which has been a dream of his, and he's there with his whole family. What's cooler than that? His brother and his dad, all also avid golfers, at the Masters together. That is a cool family trip right there. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this Thursday, April 7th, the year 2022. We are Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Let's begin the show at uh, Mark. Baseball has marked the time. This field, this game. It's a part of our past, Ray. It reminds us of all that once was good and could be good again. Yeah, that's awesome. I like the music. I love Vin Scully's voice. Always have. Always will. I don't know if baseball marks all that was ever good and ever was good and can be good again. Eh, yeah, might be a little over the top, but anyway. Happy that it's opening day. Hey, Alex in the newsroom, I got a project for you if you can come up with it. Let's do it. Every year, some sort of story comes out about uh, food and drink at ballparks and what it costs. And it always goes up and we're always amazed. I got to believe this year, inflation being whatever, 8 9% since last baseball season, we're going to be quite shocked by uh, beer and hot dog prices and uh, concession prices around the country. So if you can come up with some of that, that would be awesome. Will do. Um, yeah. Well, everything's shocking, so I expect to. Uh, you go to the ballpark, parking's going to be shocking, the tickets are going to be shocking, and then the, you know, the beer's going to be fourteen dollars, and the hot dog is sixty-seven bucks, <laughs> or something like that. Um, but cool. I my uh, I took my son to a playoff game last year. My oldest son. I talked about that a lot. Paid nine hundred dollars for a parking space, two hundred dollars for the actual space, seven hundred dollars to replace the mirror they broke off my car. So nine hundred dollars for a parking space to go to that uh, that Giants game in San Francisco. But um, I, I got to get more of that going this year. It's a very long season, one hundred sixty two games. Got to get a couple of regular season games in, and just in, and it's just what a fun thing to do. So, and if you are uh, doing any of that today, wherever you are listening, send us a text. I'd like to hear that. Text line 415-295-KFTC. we got a lot more on the way. We are going to get to, I believe, am I right, Hanson? And at the bottom of the air, oh, David Ignatius of the Washington Post, who's done just amazing reporting on this whole Ukraine story since the beginning. That's who we're going to talk to uh, here in about 15 minutes or so. But stay with us. Uh, again, text line 415-295-KFTC. Anyway, 0-2. There you go. The Armstrong and Getty Show. 
So this is Vladimir Putin's idea of liberating a fraternal brotherly nation. So either he's doing all this because he loves Ukrainians or, as many believe, because he's motivated by a rising hatred and anger at their westward-loving democracy, at their resistance, and at their refusal to come under Russian control. Yeah, interesting. Who knows what's motivating Putin, really? He's a, he's a crazy person. I, su- I suppose not uh, definitionally, diagnosably crazy, big C crazy, but, you know, it's crazy by the standards of any normal person I know. Most people couldn't do what he's doing. Anyway, we're going to talk to David Ignatius of the Washington Post, some of the best reporting that's gone on about this conflict since the beginning here in about 10 minutes, so stick around for that. Some other stuff before we get there, including one very exciting story that I'm going to be talking to my kids about tonight, so stay tuned for that. couple of things. President Joe Biden announced yesterday that his administration would extend the pause on federal student loan repayments. That was put in place back in March of 2020. It was supposed to end a whole bunch of different times. It keeps getting extended. Biden already prolonged the moratorium in August of 2021, which he said at the time, this will this will be the final extension, which obviously it wasn't. They extended it again today. Um, actually, they distent, extended it one more time after that in December 2021, probably dropping the language that it was the final extension because that would be too embarrassing. Uh, but now they've extended it again. Um, and it will also allow those with a fresh start to uh, start the repayments, eliminating the impact of delinquency, blah, blah, blah. What I wonder is, since the uh, Twitter left, the hard left, the AOC crowd has been pushing for the abolishment of student loans, just wiping the slate clean for a long time, which would be the least progressive economic move this country's ever made, maybe. And it's interesting that the progressives are pushing it. Anywho, um, I'm wondering if Biden just, the administration just keeps extending it in in the hopes, kind of like that, uh, there's a bunch of examples of this. Like you don't deal with the border until there are just so many illegals here that you might as well have made illegal immigration legal because um, I mean, you didn't enforce it for so long. A similar thing with the, with the loans. They just keep extending it and extending it to where eventually it just becomes a thing that the loans didn't get repaid. Um, it's kind of a backdoor way to get the amnesty for the loans. Anyway, we'll keep our eye on that. The, speaking of money, the Federal Reserve yesterday released minutes from their March meeting. And, you know, they raised rates by a quarter point recently. Well, they uh, in their meeting, they decided that they're going to start jumping up rates in larger increments than they did back in March last month with the quarter percentage point increase. So look for that the next time the feds get together to start jumping by a half percent or three-quarters of a percent on a regular basis. Moving up. Life is about to get really, really interesting on the uh, the interest front. Um, back to Russia and business. U.S. chipmaker Intel announced Tuesday that effective immediately it was suspending all business operations in Russia in response to the war in Ukraine. Yet another business. There are now nearly 500 businesses that have ceased doing business in Russia and Probably will not not be going back, at least as long as Vladimir Putin is in uh, in charge there. I don't know how you can keep that country going, but uh, time will tell. And here's the story I'm excited about talking to my kids about tonight. Fossil of a dinosaur killed in the asteroid strike found, scientists claim. It is the first, it's, it's a limb, complete with skin, ew, that they found in North Dakota, 
but it's the first example they have of dinosaur remains that they believe these dinosaurs were killed the day the asteroid hit. They actually don't have any remains that they can date any closer than like a thousand years before, thousands of years before the asteroid hit 66 million years ago. I don't know when the asteroid theory became common knowledge or accepted uh, wisdom or whatever, because when I was a kid, it was a theory, but there were all kinds of theories that were thrown around. Um, It was just one of them. But in recent years, it's just considered a fact that uh, an asteroid that was about three to four miles across hit in the Yucatan Peninsula of Mexico. That's where I spent my honeymoon. Um, Not because of the asteroid, because of the beautiful beaches and scenery. Um, But that asteroid hit in the Yucatan Peninsula, which if you know anything about uh, Mexico and North Dakota, those are 1,800 miles apart. And when that giant asteroid hit in Mexico 66 million years ago, the impact was so strong all over the planet that even in North Dakota, for instance, the whole bunch of dinosaurs that are kind of entangled in a mess of the mud... Uh, where they died, were, were killed. Uh, the, the big river there, the water and the, the ripples of the earth going up and down and everything like that, the water just washed over them, buried them in, in sediment. That's hard to even imagine, isn't it? If you've seen the movie Don't Look Up, you know that we may have a plan, though our government would ignore it, to stop an asteroid headed toward Earth if that were ever going to happen again. I highly recommend the movie. But this is the best uh, evidence they've ever had of um, uh, what it was like that day because they've never found any uh, dinosaurs they believe were actually killed on the day the asteroid hit before. Causing a mass extinction, the end of the dinosaur age, and the rise of mammals on planet Earth. For all the talk about historic this and historic that, there probably isn't a single event even close to as historic in the planet's history, as that asteroid hitting the planet and changing everything. And I don't know, I'm sure there, but the smart people have written about this, talked about this. If that asteroid doesn't hit, if that asteroid meets the Earth, uh, misses the Earth, do human beings never get going, really? Does that never happen? Do dinosaurs just keep on keeping on forever? And, you know, human beings uh, get eaten by Tyrannosaurus rexes eventually? And, I don't know. I, don't know, I might look into that. That's kind of interesting. My kids will love that story. We are going to talk to uh, one of the best reporters in America from the Washington Post, David Ignatius, about what's going on in Ukraine. More videos and pictures coming out that are just as horrible as anything I've ever seen in my life. Well, they're as horrible as anything can possibly be. And everybody is saying, government, journalists on the ground, everybody prepare for things to get worse and it's kind of hard to even imagine what that would look like but uh, russia is regrouping not retreating well they retreated from kiev but they're regrouping and they're about to start pounding eastern ukraine which is easier for them to do for a lot of reasons because it's closer to their border and it's easier for those missile strikes god dang it they had footage yesterday you know more towns where the Ukrainians are coming back in now that they've driven the Russians out, and they're just obliterated. I mean, they're absolutely obliterated. There's nothing for those people to come back to. And General Milley talking about this war is going to last years. It's going to be measured in years. 
how are these people ever going to come back? You can't you can't start spending the billions and billions and billions of dollars in getting the workers in. You'd have to to rebuild these cities as long as a war's going on. What is the long term plan here? Are are, are uh, the many millions of people that have left Ukraine just going to stay out until the war's over years from now? I don't know exactly how that's going to work. Even though maybe that's one of the questions I'll uh, hit David Ignatius with. We got a lot of great guests today, by the way. Um, I think you're going to like it and some lighter fare. Got some baseball talk. We'll figure out what a beer and a hot dog will cost you. If you miss an hour of the show, grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. After the international backlash Russia faced over the atrocities in Bucha, Russian soldiers are now using mobile crematoriums in an effort to erase any evidence of their war crimes by disposing of the corpses of the innocent civilians they have killed. And the Mariupol mayor making this haunting comparison, quote, the world has not seen the scale of a tragedy like in Mariupol since the Nazi concentration camps. The Russian fascists turned our whole city into a death camp, unquote. And here's spokesman John Kirby on where this is headed. Um, Because they're going to be able to concentrate their efforts now in a smaller geographical area, an area that they have been fighting over now for eight years, uh, we would expect that the violence is only going to get worse. Uh, The fighting is going to get more intense uh, as uh, as the Russians now try to redouble their efforts in a very much smaller area of Ukraine. So, uh, So we're very concerned about this development. We're watching it. So, Jake Tapper on CNN with the mobile crematoriums trying to cover up the atrocities the Russian soldiers are committing. And then John Kirby, spokesman at the Pentagon there, saying things are going to get worse. It's hard to imagine how they could. Oof. Um, So let's bring in David Ignatius to start there. Columnist, the Washington Post, covering foreign affairs. David, welcome to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Appreciate you joining us today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, watching these pictures and videos is just absolutely amazing. Can things get worse? Well, at first, as you say, they're they're as uh, Secretary Blinken put it, they're they're uh, punching the gut. Uh, it's really uh, hard, horrifying to to see uh, what the Russian invaders have done. Uh, they they were pushed out of the north where they left this uh, trail of uh, gruesomely killed bodies that we've been seeing. Uh, And they're now uh, regrouping to attack from the east uh, and the south in the Black Sea, the Sea of Azov. And as as John Kirby, the Pentagon spokesman, said, they'll concentrate their firepower, and if anything, it will be even uh, uh, nastier and more concentrated as they as they focus on that sector of Ukraine, um, I've been trying to think and to write a column today for the Washington Post about how to think about the round two that's about to begin. Mm. The round one was was bloody, horrifying, but it had real success by the Ukrainian military. I mean, incredible courage in pushing the Russians back. What's round two going to be like, and what kinds of assistance should the United States and its allies be thinking about offering the Ukrainians 
for this second round. It'll, I think it needs to be a different mix of weapons, more armor. We, but the Ukrainians have shown that their military is tough enough. They can use the armor that's sent in, old Soviet tanks and armored personnel carriers from Eastern European countries. They could use longer-range missiles to attack the Soviets in their rear basing areas. It's not Soviets, excuse me, Russians. Uh, so... Um, I hope that in this period, before round two begins, people are thinking carefully about how to help the Ukrainians uh, do as well as they can against the onslaught that's about to begin. Yeah, so we were just talking a little bit ago how um, it sounded like a big number when I heard out of the White House earlier this week that we had given $2 billion worth of military aid before this started and a billion cents for a total of $3 billion, but then I... I was just reading earlier today that at the height of the Iraq war, we were pumping in $9 billion of, uh, you know, weaponry a month at the time when we thought, uh, you know, uh, Iraq was important enough for that level of money. So I don't I don't know where we go uh, money wise in Ukraine and all that sort of stuff. But looking at your column today, has Putin's brutality finally hit a wall in Ukraine um, and a lot of talk about the in- investigating the crimes. These are war crimes, obviously. Is there is there any hope of anybody being held to account for any of this stuff? Well, the answer is yes, there's some hope, but it's going to take years. Um, we know from uh, war crimes investigations that followed the Balkan Wars, where there were atrocities committed, remember, Srebrenica is one famous name of a, of a town where there were just terrible massacres that people can be identified, commanders who authorized killings, and then tracked down, and that happened. And people were brought to trial in The Hague for war crimes. Um, In that case, you had the clear winners who were able to enforce the laws, um, but whether we'll have that situation here remains to be seen. But I counted in my column a number of investigations that are already underway. The International Criminal Court, not recognized by the United States, but recognized by most countries, uh, has already begun an investigation. France has three investigations underway about war crimes against its own citizens. The Ukrainian prosecutor general has 50,000 investigators gathering evidence right now. And then you have all of the social media and journalistic record that's been compiled. That's what we've been seeing, obviously, in Bucha. And it's amazing that when the Russians tried to deny that they'd ever killed all those people whose bodies we've seen in the terrible videos, no, 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 it didn't happen. Uh, you see, you can see the corpses are moving. The people have gone back through the video imagery and shown that the Russian claims that the video images were false are incorrect, that they've gone literally pixel by pixel to show this. The Russian claims are false. These images are real. And then they found overhead reconnaissance uh, film that was shot commercially back in mid-March uh, that, that show the, the bodies already in the streets in, in Bucha. So, I, yes, is the answer. I do have some hope that the evidence and the, the venue for prosecution w- will be there uh, to bring people to account. Um, getting back to what you said a little bit ago really got my attention, this whole round two thing. I wasn't aware that uh, you know a round had ended and a new round is starting. And um, 
General Milley got everybody's attention the other day when he said this is going to be measured in years. Uh, uh, that certainly got, got my attention. He said, I don't think decades, not sure decades with the plural, but certainly in years. So he expects this to last a very long time. How do you foresee this playing out from now going forward? So I think it, it probably will last. Uh, it'll be protracted. That's the phrase that the National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan used, and Millie was amplifying that. Um, we have to remember that this war really has already been going on for eight years. Good point. The war in the East began in 2014, and it's been continuous. Uh, it's involved Russian and Ukrainian regular military units. For, for those eight years. So in a sense, you know, we're, we're, it's a continuing war. The next phase will be the decisive battle for control of this eastern region. And uh, most analysts think the Russians will, will try to uh, create a kind of zone uh, from the eastern region, known as the Donbass, across the south through Mariupol, the city that they've shattered, uh, all the way down to Odessa. Uh, past Crimea, so they'll control all of the Black Sea access to Ukraine. Ukraine will, will be landlocked, in effect, and that—that's the Russian goal. And uh, and so it's going to be a pitched battle. I think part of what General Milley is saying is that even if they succeed in doing that, they face an intense resistance. I mean, the people in Ukraine. When I visited Ukraine in late January, just before the war began. Even Russian-speaking Ukrainians hated the Russians. It's amazing how Putin has alienated the population of that country, which he imagines you know, loves Russia. It feels part of the greater Russian nation. Uh-uh, Do you think he actually believes anymore. that stuff? You think he actually believes that stuff he I, says and writes? He, I do. I, wow. I, think he, I think he believed it deeply. I think it's part of the, his self-mystification that led to this war. You have to ask, how did Putin make such a huge mistake? And I think the only answer is that he, he truly believed it. You read his essays, and it's right. all almost uh, it's almost a re- religious uh, mission for him. Uh, so he did believe it, uh, but he's going to he's going to face protracted, prolonged resistance in the, any areas that he conquers. So the, the Russians are facing a war like what we faced in Vietnam. We remember how that just dragged us down. A war like the Russians faced in Afghanistan finally drove them out after 10 years. A war like we faced in Afghanistan drove us out, of, out of, after 20 years. So it's hard to win those wars if you're an unpopular occupying force. And that's what, as we think about round two that's about to begin, it'll be that kind of war. It's going to be nasty. It, it probably will be prolonged. At some point, Putin may decide, as as we did in Afghanistan, this simply isn't worth the cost uh, and choose an alternative path. But right now, uh, everybody I talk to in the Pentagon says he is determined to give it in round two the hardest shot he can. I know you were doing some uh, writing, and I heard you talking about this early on, about uh, how um, how into this story and in support of the Ukrainians the Europeans have been, and obviously you've seen that in the United States. Do we have the, the, the ability to, to, to not lose our attention? You know, we go from story to story to story pretty quickly. Um, are we going to be able to stay focused on this over the timeline we were just dis- describing? So that's the right question to ask. America, I think, is famously impatient in supporting uh, allies. 
In this case, it's the Ukrainians who are doing the fighting. We have a super motivated partner. We didn't have that in Afghanistan, but we sure do in Ukraine. They're fighting with incredible bravery, tenacity. And we also have lots of other allies. Ukraine is surrounded by European countries that have really found their heart. The uh, Germans, the other countries often kind of sat on their hands when it came to confrontations with Russia. Not here. They're, they're stepping up. They're providing weapons, in some cases, uh, more uh, aggressively than we are. Poland, which you know, neighbors Ukraine, uh, sees itself as being a prospective future target of Russia, is absolutely supporting the Ukrainians, providing uh, weapons, supplies, uh, a safe haven for refugees who are streaming out of Ukraine. That's that's true of many European countries. So I think the staying power on the side of the West uh, is significant. And that's another thing that Putin has to factor in. He doesn't have Hoover's allies, Belarus and and China, sort of, but China China's support has been lukewarm at best. So Putin faces an unattractive uh, campaign as he as he begins round two. Uh, but he again, he'll go at it, I think, initially with everything he has. David Ignatius, David Ignatius, columnist, Washington Post. I'm a big fan. Thanks for coming on today. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's tough to talk about, but yeah. it's good to have the chance. Thanks for inviting me. You bet. I'd say it's tough to talk about. It's tough to watch. It's tough to see the pictures. It's just, it's, I, I've said this, God, how, what have I said this a thousand times in the last six weeks? I can't believe this is actually occurring in my lifetime in the modern world. Um. I suppose I should have been uh, grown up enough to realize that, uh, you know, this sort of thing was possible, still possible. But man, oh man, oh man, oh man. You know, it's the first war like this for human beings where you get to see the videos and the pictures moments after it happened. I wonder how that would have affected Vietnam, World War II, any other wars through history. But now we've got one where we see the horror on the evening news every night. Holy crap. We'll take a break from that for a while. Alex did come up with what a beer and a hot dog is going to cost you. Opening day for Major League Baseball happening. And Americans' attitudes towards baseball, among other things we're going to talk about coming up. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Keep that music going for me, Michael. I was a young disc jockey when this song actually came out. John Fogarty of Credence Clearwater Revival. It's a song about baseball. Put me in, coach. I'm ready to play. The reason I mention that is I've heard it already ten times today. Why hasn't somebody else written a baseball song? Clearly, even if it's not very good, even I should do that today. I'll get home with my, you know, my ukulele, my guitar, and whatever, and I'll crank out a. Oh, I like baseball with the gloves and the bats. Hoorah! I mean, just if there were any other song about baseball, people would play it. They just need to. Do we have a song about? It? We got the that put me in coach song. Yeah, use that always because there's one baseball song apparently. Um, baseball season starts today. Major League Baseball got pushed back a little bit by a work stoppage that everybody was worried was going to ruin the season. But anyway, we're basically getting started on time. It usually starts around April 1st, and now it is April 7th. And um, 
Before I get to some of the particulars of uh, people's attitudes toward baseball and what a beer and a hot dog will cost you, here's our favorite clip ever from the greatest baseball announcer of all time, Vin Scully of the Dodgers, when he decided to start talking about Venezuela for some reason. Socialism failing to work as it always does, this time in Venezuela. You talk about giving everybody something free and all of a sudden there's no food to eat. And who do you think is the richest person in Venezuela? The daughter of Hugo Chavez. Hello. Anyway, 0-2. The anyway 0-2, the funniest thing ever. <laughs> anyway, 0-2. Um, I wish he'd have done that more often. Of course, as you see, uh, Fernando Valenzuela on the IR with an injury. Of course, luckily, he still has private health care. You know, many are suggesting government health care in this country. All you need to do is look at the NIH in England to get an idea of how well that works. Anyway, Owen, too. I wish he had done that all the time. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, boy. And that ball just outside the line. Another line, of course, is the border between the United States and Mexico, which currently isn't being attended to. We have an illegal immigration problem in this country. Anyway, fouls one back. I would have liked more of that. <laughs> of course, he probably wouldn't have been as popular if he had done that throughout the years. Um, so the season kicks off today. Half of Americans say they're at least a little interested in Major League Baseball. The greatest interest, of course. What group of people are mostly interested in baseball? That's right. Old women. No, young men. I'm sorry, I read that wrong. Young men, men under 30 are who are most interested in baseball. Of course, that's not surprising at all. But I thought this was, you know, this justifies talking about it at all. One out of eight Americans is planning to attend a game this year, let alone, you know, in their lifetime. Uh, One out of eight Americans plan to attend a Major League Baseball game in person this year. What are the favorite teams? It makes me ill to say it. The New York Yankees, the Boston Red Sox, and the Atlanta Braves are the three favorite teams. What's the main reason you're a fan of a team? Why do they even ask freaking questions like this? It's because of where I grew up. No way. Okay. What are the least likely to be cited as favorite teams in America? The San Diego Padres, the Miami Marlins, and the Oakland A's. All of those teams have had great success and have just fantastic fan bases at home. But um, nationally, not as much. It's a regional sport. If your team is in uh, you know, the playoffs of World Series, you watch. If your team's not in, you tend not to watch. Uh, other sports aren't like that. You'll watch whoever's in, but baseball's not like that. Um, cheapest ballpark for beer? Coors Field in Colorado. That's not fair. Of course, they're sponsored by Coors. They keep the prices low. Who's got the um, most expensive beer? The New York Mets. You got to get yourself a beer? $11.75 for a beer. If you're going out to watch the Mets play, followed by the Orioles and Phillies at 10. Cubs at about 10. Nationals about 10. Cheapest place for a hot dog? Arizona Diamondbacks. Enjoying a nice ball game in the uh, the, the warm confines of 122 degrees. $2 for a hot dog. It's because you can't sell a hot dog to somebody when it's 120. you got to practically give them away. Get anybody to eat a hot dog. I realize they got a roof. They close it. Turn on the air conditioner. Uh, most expensive park for hot dogs, the Washington Nationals. So they got a $10 beer and a $7.25 hot dog. Holy cow. I guess it's because I got all those lobbyists in D.C. They're all government people. They're, they're You know what it is? They're all buying those hot dogs and beers with some sort of expense account. 
that is being written off into taxpayer money. So we're Bingo. all buying those hot dogs. <laughs> Thank you, President Biden. Bingo. Bingo. Giants, San Francisco Giants, where I was uh, just a couple months ago, six seventy five for a hot dog. Um, but there you go, Arizona Diamondbacks, two dollar hot dogs. Oh man, I would eat till I just yacked. Seventh inning stretch would be the seventh inning hurl if I was at a Diamondback game. I uh, got a little more on baseball later. We're gonna talk to Mike Lyons coming up uh, a little bit later in the show about the current strategies going on over there and the weapons systems that we're sending. You heard a lot about these drones. And anti-tank weapons and everything like that. If you miss an hour of the show, you can grab the podcast at armstrongandgetty.com. Armstrong and Getty. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Nobody wants to outlive their money, but it happens, especially for women. That's why Gainbridge offers the Parity Flex annuity, designed for women's unique retirement needs, with flexible withdrawals plus a guaranteed lifetime income benefit that keeps paying you even if your account balance is zero. Gainbridge is helping build a better financial future for women. Retirement income you can't outlive is the ultimate flex. Start saving now at Gainbridge.io. Visit Gainbridge.io slash ParityFlex for current rates, full product disclosures and disclaimers, and other important information. Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.